0: Welcome, 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 welcome welcome to the Wolfestone Podcast. There we go. We're live We are back, alright uh, Back to the second episode of the Life is Done podcast, my friend How's it going, Nate? It's not bad, man yeah. how, about, how about yourself? I'm loving life right now, things are good Good, Things good. are definitely good Yeah, know, we, we sort of act like uh, we just yeah. d- weren't together for the <laughs> half the evening Right like, Catching up, I'm like old friends so, here well, Yeah, so how's, how's it going? we right. have just been talking to you for the last hour <laughs> Yeah, dude,
1: it's, uh, everything's pretty good everything's been pretty good and i think uh i think for the second episode we wanted to start with saying thank you because i think uh neither one of us expected the uh support that we, we received to, or at least to reach as many people as we did uh kind of expected to be like family maybe mm. two friends and uh, they just like we were talking about earlier, really, just download it and walk away but uh holy crap the outpour Al- support and hearing from people that i haven't heard from in years and and just random messages support incredible absolutely incredible
0: yeah i i i in in a a way i wanted to say i told you so i knew (laughs) it like that's why i wanted to come podcast with you but i'm not taking credit because when you when you showed me like hey look at how many people have downloaded this i my mouth dropped i was like i didn't know you knew that many people (laughs) neither did i (laughs) but it's it's not the point Uh, i think I think it, the support has been just ov- overwhelmingly amazing. It's
1: uh, I haven't found really the word to to put to it quite yet, but uh, it uh, it shit. I don't. It yeah. just was amazing. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's really <clears throat> it, all it was. It
0: it honestly makes you want. I, I think you felt like this, and I did too for the the two days um, <laughs> after. It's like so. Uh, I want to do like. I was thinking like two or three a week. Was that, is that for, cool? Yeah, it was
1: just like, can we just do this every day now? Uh, i quitting everything. Let's go for it. But uh, I, I think that we're in a good position right now. I think mm-hmm. that that feedback really supported us and, uh, and in a way that mm-hmm. it gave us that confidence to say, maybe we have something. Uh, at least we can reach a few people and, and hopefully influence their lives and offer that safe space uh, that we've kind of always talked about together. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that it also made... You and I kind of, it motivated us in a way. I think we started thinking about a lot of uh, topics that we probably want to cover, need to cover, and um, just your eyes kind of get super wide, and you're
0: like, now what? Yeah, that's that's what it boils down to. It's like, we, we've created this, uh, we got on the train now, <laughs> yeah. and we've got to keep going with this, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's you, we touched on it just a little bit, kind of pre-showing, but I think the the context of the first podcast, though we felt like it was a bit superficial, it sort of set the stage for this podcast. And and without getting too much into that right now, it's sort of this idea to practice what we're preaching, especially with the first one, how to overcome adversity and the obstacles. But we'll just leave that for right now. What I would like to do is for those of you who found the podcast on podomatic.com. That is our hosting website for the podcast. So Brian has created the RSS feed so that you can find the podcast in iTunes. And I'm sure a lot of you are listening on iTunes right now. So you're thinking, yeah, I know. But that being said, for our iTunes listeners, please log into iTunes. And there's a subscribe button for the Life is Done podcast. And there's a star rating. So if you liked it, Go ahead and give it a good star rating. All the stars. If you hated it, well, still all the stars. (laughs) Exactly. Um, It just helps us um, reach up in the uh, move up in the rankings a bit and help to reach more people. Um, You can you can obviously listen to the podcast on Podomatic and most likely, obviously, if you're not listening on Podomatic or iTunes, you found it on another platform. But for word of mouth, for those people who use Android platforms you can find it on whatever app you're using for your podcasts. So that's the plug. Cool. And again, really support, really supportive and just, yeah, speechless. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. I think
1: we're, we're sitting here spitball and trying to figure out what it is because we haven't got it yet, but
0: yeah, uh, the, the support's been amazing. The, the listenership's been amazing and you know, we, we hope that we continue to push out
1: it, it, the, the excitement, uh, it is, we talked about it a little bit and when you're positive. You're probably going to attract a little more positive in your life or make better decisions. But, uh, Press and I went down to with a, uh, for the buddy of mine out here, uh, we went down to the parade of lights. I think it is, whatever the parade is. And in, in Denver, uh, the other night and afterwards we went to this German beer tent and I, I was, in awe. It's the first time I've ever been somewhere where you can actually feel the happiness like seeping out and just everybody was having a blast. So I was like, oh man, this is, this has been rolling almost too much. I don't know what to do. I've never (laughs) felt like this high before. What is this feeling? Yeah. But I think everybody I was with were like, what's wrong with this guy? I'm just sitting there with a smile on my face, watching people and just unbelievable how it all comes together.
0: And you know, what's what's true is even though you ride this high, of this outpouring that you have, like life still happens. And that happened this week. It happened with me. I think it happened with you. And it's like, even though you're sort of riding this tidal wave of of good vibes, life still manages to just creep in and your head manages to creep in and say, what the fuck are you doing, <laughs> Right,
1: the, the life, the, the gift <clears throat> that keeps on giving, right? Yeah, it just yeah. never ends. But it's, uh, we talked about it before though. It's, how do you respond to those things and how do you limit the damage essentially for you know lack of better terms there but uh i think that the other thing about last episode was that feeling of how do we we felt that was a little bit superficial i know that i got a few texts of we're gonna have to hear about like some of these issues all the time because <laughs> it's kind of emotional i'm like well it's uh it's about to get a little bit uh, warmer in here i guess at that point but um i think that both of us felt that we probably need to reveal a little bit more about ourselves and um not just say oh that's a story for another time but to really dive into what are what our struggles have been or are and and how we're different today um but yeah this this is probably gonna be a difficult one for both of us i guess to sit here and do this it's it's, we were talking about before there's a vulnerability of just putting yourself out there almost forever for anybody really. Uh, you know, like yeah. I'm, I'm open about a lot of my past issues <clears> and how I still work through them. And, uh,
0: it, <laughs> yeah, there is a, even though that this is not a live podcast, I mean, we have the time to listen to this as many times as we want before we push it out. We could edit it. We could do whatever we want. We don't do that. But the point is there is a vulnerability of hearing your voice And knowing that this is captured, not even in in the context of putting it out to the world, but it will eventually go there. And you have to really check yourself and dive deep. At least I have, and I'm sure you have, to really think about what impact this could make. And you know, I thought about it. Uh, How could this telling this story um, impact me professionally? And then I stopped and I thought about it and I said, well, you know what? It hasn't because I have a job and they know all about it. And they're the most supportive employer I've ever had. Being able to openly tell this story and say, this is where I was. And here I am today. If you have any questions, please ask. And if you are struggling or anybody, any employee, anybody, I'm here. Right and can, can relate to it exactly when you can frame it that way it it is a little less alarming but i think for me it is cathartic and therapeutic to be able to tell it even though there's that nervousness of knowing that inherently people are going to judge you based on the story you tell
1: i think there's yeah that, i think that's a scary part is <clears throat> y you, you worry that people are gonna treat you differently because you have struggled and, and we were talking about this before as well, but it doesn't matter because every single person is battling something. You know, like you might not see it. We're talking about all the nice things, you know, the highlight reel, the nice house, the cars, mm-hmm. you know, to get to do everything they wanna do. They still gotta lay down at night. They're gonna to go to bed. They're probably gonna think before bed. And uh, I think that's that's what the reality is, is that everybody is some way can relate to this stuff. Everybody's said something to themselves that it wasn't the right thing to say, but maybe they got stuck down a rabbit hole with it. And uh, I think that's kind of the purpose of, of this episode is, yeah, you number know, one, to humanize us and, and and hopefully connect with a few people, pretend, potentially make that safe space. And if people need to get in contact with it, you know, us or professionals, uh, Preferably, I guess at that point, um, don't, but, uh, don't listen
0: to anything I say, <laughs> right?
1: But uh, it's it's important for us to do this, I think, and, and I think our purpose is is more of a reach people, connect with people, and, and hope that we can spin all these situations into a positive mm-hmm. uh, uh, state of mind and and help people realize that this you're not doesn't have to be this way, yeah. and you can conquer a lot of stuff, uh, and and usually it just takes a first step, so.
0: So there's a, a quote and I've seen it over and over and I have this whiteboard that's right, right by the end of the, uh, table in the studio. And it says how you do anything is how you do everything. And I'm not one for like corny whatevers, but it, I, I like to I put it up there for this podcast because sometimes when I dive into this story, I think that I've failed on some sort of level. And society can help you formulate a narrative that makes you think that you have failed, and and they treat you with kid gloves uh, or kid gloves, whatever it is. And there's, I think some people have a chance for redemption, and other people in my situation haven't. And like you said before, the the reason that this conversation is so important, obviously is a to touch people, but also to frame the subsequent podcast that we do sure. have to be able to say whatever our experience is, touch on it. And then people have that to reference. And you know the, the story I'll tell and the story you'll tell, unfortunately are timeless stories. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I didn't create this, I'm not the Adam and Eve of this story, and nor will I be the, uh, the rapture of this story if you want to get biblical. But, you know, I, I think just to dive in here and I think you and I were because this is not an easy thing to talk about. Yeah, I and, feel like we're,
1: we, uh, we're both we're, kind of uh, 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 circling the wagon here, but so, uh, not attacking.
0: So, um, yeah, you can only frame this so many times and how we're going to do this. But the last podcast. Uh, Well, when we started this, we're like, uh, just as we hit the record button, I looked at you and said, so, um, like, do you want me to go first? Do you (laughs) want to go first? And there's really no way. There's no structure for this one. There's no structure for this one. And uh, I think what you said is the Jesus take the wheel kind of thing. But I'll just, uh, I'll open up. And I, I think we both alluded to in the last podcast that, you know, we struggled with either mental health issues or. On some um, some sort of continuum, um, substance abuse, abuse dependency, and and I said that I did, and really didn't dive into it right. too much or explore or elucidate on it because it just wasn't the time. And I, this is something that I have battled with. And if you really look at it in the context of my life, and I don't know how many times I'm going to say context on this damn (laughs) podcast today, but I think when you take a hard look at substance abuse and what we as Americans, as humans and, you know, uh, world citizens, the substances that we consume, whether it is prescribed, whether it's alcohol, whether it's tobacco, whether it's any sort of drug, um, we don't think about we don't think about it until it becomes that that problem. And problem is is relative. Uh, for some people, a problem is it's just too much coffee. Right. <laughs> um, for for other people, um, you know, it's 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 methamphetamine or it's heroin that puts you in prison. Um, so what is a problem? It's it's on the continuum. It is relative. And to frame that. For this um i think i'll just uh kind of dive in here and i was and please inter- inter- interrupt it anytime you're good man Roll. <laughs> i don't you know good. how to do this i've done a, i've done close to like <laughs> what is it uh
1: family friends you're probably about to learn <laughs> some shit from us <laughs> um
0: you know i've done what close to uh probably like a hundred plus hours of like podcasting material but like this i've I'll sound like an unarticulate bastard, but it's all right, man. We're so, good. <clears throat> i I got out of the military in in March of 2017, and I had said before in the last podcast that when I left the military, it really wasn't under the best terms that I wanted to leave. Um, I, there was a point where I was planning on leaving, and it was either going to be within the next, you know, eight to twelve months from when I got out in March, but it just happened a little bit sooner. <laughs> So in, uh, in 2015, so October of 2015, I actually had the, the stupidest injury anyone could have who works out. Um, you know, people ask like, you know, so what happened? And you're like, Oh, I, I got an injury in the army. It's like, yeah. Oh, he must've, he must've been doing something army. Like, no, 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 no. Let me, let me be very clear. I was working out in my garage and loading up the bench press <laughs> and clipped either side of of the of the bench, securing like two hundred and seventy pounds of weight on this bench press. So here I go, I get the first one, and I'm three quarters of the way up at that point and no return and just triceps, shoulders, everything just gives out. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Two hundred and seventy pounds, bam, right in my right in my sternum. And I heard a crack pop, you know, like, like Rice Krispies, like knocked the wind out of me and I couldn't. So now what do you do? You push the damn bench press off (laughs) and the weights fall and you're good to go. Well, genius clipped them. So here I am rolling the bench press down my chest, across my abdomen, across my nuts, (laughs) down my legs until I could push it off and just... The adrenaline kicks in, and like that was stupid. <laughs> anybody see yeah. it? And anyway, so what that led to um, was a, a pretty intense musculoskeletal injury. Um, I went to the hospital, and everything checked out. It was just a, a good bruise, hematoma, and some um, just bruising of the of the area, and was started promptly on a round of narcotics. Why not? <clears throat> Why not? And the good stuff though, right? Yeah, the the oxys. So, in medicine, I mean, there is a a point to um, narcotics for acute pain, and I was used to that in in the intensive care unit, to giving these high powered narcotics for pain relief. And you can think of a of a code blue situation where you're giving CPR to somebody and you crack ribs during CPR. It's just the nature of of the of the beast. Right. I mean, these individuals, when they're recovering um, in the intensive care unit, generally are either on some sort of nerve block or high doses of narcotics or high volume of narcotics because you can't breathe. It's right. every time you, you take a, a breath in, um, you know, you're pushing on everything. So there was a, there was, it was warranted. So in the um, hospital, there, I worked very closely with a lot of the physicians there, and this is no justification, this is no, I'm not putting any responsibility on right. uh, my coworkers or the people I worked with or mentors. <clears throat> I'm just framing this. Um, you work very closely with them, and you really are looking out for one another. Right. And you know, you have individuals that come into the ER, and if they're uncomfortable, you're doing everything you possibly can to, to bring them the most comfort that they possibly can. And over that period of time to October December, January time frame, um, of course, in the Army, you get put on a profile so you don't have to work out, but part of the job is to stay in shape and when we talk about therapy and outlets, <laughs> that was pretty much my it. working out and the ability to stay physically fit and active. Is so important. It's so important to my mental health. Even if it's walking, I mean, I have to be doing something. I will go crazy. I will go right. batshit crazy. And you just know, gotta people, move. People talk about being hangry. Like <laughs> that's that's, it. that's my hangry. Right. And, and I'm like rambling here, but um, so I had a couple re-injuries, and it was pretty normal to go back on a course of narcotics. And at the time, between February. And so this this all falls in between uh, October of 2015 to about June of 2016, and at the time I was running a rapid response program in the hospital. Um, I was working 44 hours a week, or 40 hours a week as a floor nurse, and the additional military duties. I was going to school twice a week and flipping between nights and days. So, and and and, yeah, (laughs) wow, no. And at the time, my uh, my wife. Um, she was getting ready for a 10 month deployment in Iraq. So, and during this, um, sort of climax and building of, of substance dependency, um, this is when, uh, she basically got orders and was getting ready to leave. So what really happened, I was able to, you know, by knowing people in the hospital, by having connections and by really no tracking process of all of narcotics, I was able to go back and go back. And justify. I knew what to say. I mean, there became a point after a couple months where you, I didn't need them for pain control, but everything else that was going on, I was justifying my use. Uh, That
1: gives you some kind of numbness there.
0: Yeah, it does. It, it, it's your escape. Yeah, and you can justify use for it because I can't sleep, and which is ridiculous because the only thing that was keeping me from sleeping was taking narcotics. Funny how that shit works, but, you know, at the time. Up until I quit, um, I justified every reason to use it, and I hid it from every single person, even before my wife got on the plane to leave for Iraq, had no idea. Uh, my friends, my closest friends had no idea, right. and it became a point <clears throat> where i I stopped getting the prescription, and I was done. I said, I can't look like a pain seeker anymore. This is ridiculous. Like at some point, I'm going to circle back around and they're going to look and be like, Oh, you're on a few of those, huh? Oh yeah, it hurts. So I stopped. And what's funny is you think that you have a whole lot of power over yourself. You think that you will always have control of this executive function, this, this decision-making process, but there's something that just Chemically changes that gives you what you call a case of the fuckets, and here. I was in the intensive care unit so rounded like a kid trick-or-treating every door everywhere everywhere every door every room and You know I was I was um, I had a lot of responsibility in that unit and it allowed me to do I was kind of multifaceted and so my hands were in everything and it, I don't know what the trigger was, but it it flipped, and I looked at this opportunity to continue my dependency, right. and it it's a ugly road because you you go from this person who can justify a prescription, which many people do. It's a doctor a doctor ordered it, so you know like how right? bad can it be? Oh yeah, no that's good, right? But I know better. Been doing this for a while. And I think the first medications that I took, you know, I never, I never created a situation where a patient never received a medication, but we would have waste all the time, leftover medications that we had to get rid of. And, you know, I broke the trust of a lot of coworkers who believed that I was doing the right thing with those leftover medications. And I, I pocketed them and there became a point, um, you know, last use um, you know, people talk about this um, this medication, fentanyl, that flies around. It's synthetic fentanyl from China. There's, um, it's anyway, it's something in the tune of a hundred times more powerful than morphine. Nice. Yeah, it's it's the shit. Um, to Don't take to, your to a, <clears throat> to a better con or to get better context to this, um, or or better um, a, a way for people to grasp this, heroin users. Typically, we think of heroin as if you take it, you're addicted right off the bat, and it kills you when you take it. Um, Heroin users are overdosing because their medications are laced with fentanyl, uh, in in some cases. And when you get laced heroin with fentanyl, you take the same dose that you normally do, but you're adding something that's roughly 100 times more potent to the heroin. This is what I was using, straight up. Unadulterated, from the pharmacy, straight from Big Pharma, and it it is insane to listen to me through these headphones tell this story because I you know I'm 18 months from the last use of this, and it it obviously sounds absurd, but at the time obviously I knew it was it it was absolutely absurd. I think every person that smokes crack does meth. Shoots heroin, you know. Uses tobacco. Like some, you're gonna know at
1: some point. You are going to have the conversation of saying, like, I know what I'm doing It's not what I really want to be doing, but that's the only thing I know right now, and, and it's the only thing I can latch onto, or that's the only way I feel like I can escape what the fuck yeah. I'm thinking about.
0: And and these narcotics, you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of taking the taking the 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 airwaves here, yeah, but sure. you know the, that that. I think you find a justification for your use because it's helping you do something. And you know, it wasn't like it's I because was, it's easy. It is. It's an easy it's cop easy. out and it wasn't like I was neglecting the dogs or the life that I had taking care of things when my wife was gone managing a career. But what I was doing is I wasn't functioning as a normal human being would when you have to confront the stress of life.
1: You always just think that uh, whatever the fear, the the stress is. Like you, we always talk about, um, th- it's resistance. You resist mm-hmm. it, and the reality is you got to go straight to it and, and face it because on the other side of it is some kind of greatness, you know. Yeah. And, and we are, I think, seeing it today. I, you know, like we're <clears throat> you're I don't. I never knew that Nate, but I don't. I don't need to. But I just know that you're in a, you're a different spot today, which is phenomenal. You know, yeah, like I'm.
0: I am. You know it's it's a place that obviously has its struggles because life is is difficult and challenging you know it's it's interesting being done with this and and leaving the military and i left the military because of this and that's probably the most uh, disappointing thing out of this entire thing and um you know i had i had last use on in june of 2016 and i was done You know it it, uh, I had a last use of fentanyl in my house after work and it I wound up um, looking in the mirror and I pushed the medication and I was using it intravenously I was a nurse took all the sterile supplies I knew how to do it and I was leaning up against the wall looking in the mirror and I hit the plunger put it right into my vein and I overshot how much I normally would use. And I watched the world from my periphery, just tunnel vision. Sucks in. And my ears started ringing, and I don't know how much time elapsed, but I heard the dogs outside the bathroom with their, their paws, their, their nails, clipping on the, on the floor. Damn. And I just was sitting there, and I couldn't see, but I could hear and I realized I was still standing against the wall. I was still standing against the wall. If I had fallen to the right, I would have hit my head on the porcelain toilet. Or thrown. If I had fallen forward, I'd have cracked my head on the sink. If I had fallen left, I would have fallen and hit my head on the hardwood floor. And you know what? No one would have found me because I had three days off of work. Where's Nate? Yeah, me? you have no to show up there at the point. No. And I, I came to, and the needle was still in my arm. And I remember looking out in the mirror and I had this moment where I knew, even through the fog, the euphoria of the medication, I knew that the next time I would either be dead or who knew if the next time would be the point of no return and I had a choice to make. Right. And that choice was to man up, get the help I need, accept that there's a problem, or I go down this road, and I'm going to die. Right. And and that's really painfully, painfully, and and at the cost of, you know, my, everyone around me not knowing anything about it, and all these questions that I would leave. And in just the obviously in, embarrassment that's there, but um, you know, it, it wasn't like I hadn't seen what a overdose looked like. It wasn't like I hadn't seen, or I have never seen what addiction does to a person firsthand by having them in my hospital beds. I do. Okay. I, and, and you have that, that absolute disconnection where you can, you can move past that. And that's not me. Want to know why that's not me? Cause I have a job. You're a cockroach. Right. You're sitting here asking for pain medications and complaining about it. Like, okay, Nate, here's the real man up. Here's the real question: How much longer until that's you? Right, could be tomorrow. Could be tomorrow. So, I wound up, um, you know, I slept that off, and you know, there's, uh, I, you know, there's a, there's a little bit more. Um, you know, I had to, you know, I got the help that I needed. And, you know, I let my command know what happened. My command found out and, you know, I did what needed to happen. I got off the floor and was put in a different type of role and still had meaningful, uh, productive work at the hospital. But it started this train of, you know, th- this train of recovery, I guess. And it's overwhelming because it's not exactly what you anticipate when people are telling you how sick you are. And I think it's one of those things too, or like it,
1: it tends to get a little bit worse before it gets better. Yes. And it usually only gets worse. It gets to its worst after you admit. Right. So like it's almost like buckle up because here we go. But like you, <clears throat> the whole time you're in that pain of it's getting worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. You do have a little, hopefully have a little bit of hope to grasp onto and saying like, It's going to change tomorrow. It's going to change today. You know, whatever it is.
0: Exactly. And that's what happened. It was like, well, you know, I'm done doing this now. So I'd like to have my job back and I'd like to, you know, just move on from this. And then you have everyone around you going, do you actually know how bad this was? No, you're not going back there. No, you need to come do this. And there was a resistance there. Um, at first, and then you know there was this this realization like this is what needs to happen, and um, you know I went I had to call, I had to call my wife in Iraq you know 13 hour time difference from Hawaii, and I had to explain to her, you know, and I was trying to figure out every single way I could possibly frame this that it would be like oh yeah well, well you know everything's good right and um, on the up and up yeah just uh just a little thing just wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> And, I mean, there was just no – there was no way to process it because you're not there, and when you have no idea something's going on and then you download all this information on somebody and you're not in the same room as somebody, there's no body language. It's just a crackly phone call. Like, you don't even know what to do. And unfortunately, um, well, you know, probably for – for the better overall, um, you know, that marriage dissolved and you know, you create these concepts in your head of the way life is supposed to be. And you frame these, um, you, you, you have these frameworks for how you see your life, but it sometimes it takes that barrier, that obstacle, that train wreck that happens for you to realize that whatever, whatever you had, Whatever you thought was picture perfect, whatever Disneyland you created for yourself. Fantasy world. This fantasy. You can live in a fantasy world. And that's what that was. It was a thousand miles a minute from the beginning. And, you know, I coped with it in a way that I never thought I would cope with any of that. And I don't mean just the marriage. I mean just life in general. Sure. And I can imagine
1: I mean military life is Probably it, not the least stressful occupation you could pick,
0: but <laughs> it is the you know, and we could have a whole other podcast about this. It is not conducive to married life. Um, people do it. I have friends that do it. They're happily sure. married, but you have to have an intense communication structure and a, a very, um, a v- very good or very well developed understanding of who each other are. And what the expectations are, because you crumble, and that's what happened. And you know whether I was a, a big part of that or not, it really doesn't matter mm-hmm. because I'm here now, and that's the point. I think, you know, I I was able to put my resignation in, <clears throat> and because they, they kind of gave me that option, you know, do you want to get out? And and I took that, and it it, it went through, um, to some people's dismay. Uh, there was a few people, and that's that's one thing that's weird about the military, is there's this black and white that doesn't happen in the civilian sector, right. and there's there's definitely leeway and flexibility within the the civilian side where it's you know hey um, we realize you screwed up it's the first time here's what we're gonna do for you does that sound good yep right and military kind
1: of one and done type thing military
0: is very much more this is what happened these are the facts here's what we do about it and there's very little. So what can we do to make you productive again? And I was very fortunate to have mentors and bosses who, who've, uh, their own volition stood up and fought for me and said, this guy, we want this man back. I had friends that, that are coworkers and best friends today who went out of their way to stand up and say, I would deploy with this man to any corner of planet earth. I would let him watch my kids. He's a, he's a friend of mine, and right. I would I would have him any day. Of the week. Which
1: you'd like to think speaks volumes to.
0: I mean, I, I'm it. It isn't it isn't for me to feel good about. It's for it's it's again. It comes back to that quote. It's how you do anything is how you do everything. And I love my friends, and I'll do anything for them, and I'll I'll work my ass off if if I in whatever job I have with life. I mean, grinding it out, being down here on a Saturday night, doing the things that we do how you do anything is how you do everything and yes there was a blip 100% but it just goes to show the amount of work that you put in will show in the time that you need it
1: yeah you got to learn that patience from from those lessons and
0: yeah and this was a this was a lesson this was a lesson of patience um and I was able to get out and the road back so in all of this time getting out and dealing with this um you know I had to sell a house I had to get divorced I had to leave the military that I knew for my entire adult life. Transition back into civilian, and just, all right, well, pat on the ass, and here yeah, you go. Here's your DD-214, which is your ticket out of the military, and good luck. And I, I, I remember getting that that packet, and I left, and the the officer who, the, the civilian who signed my paperwork, exit exiting paperwork, he just reached his hand out and he said. Well, thanks for your service. Good luck. Business, And then handed me a manila envelope and he said, here's all your stuff. Don't lose it. And I kind of looked around and, and I said, so I'm, I'm out? Like I'm done? He's like, yeah, go home and you got to take your uniform off. You're done. And I remember driving home from from Wahia, uh, on Oahu, the city there, and driving down. It's this like long sloping drive back down into South Oahu and you just kind of see the ocean and the clouds in Honolulu. And I remember just, I was in this state of utter shock and disbelief that it was just done. And I was just bawling my eyes out all the way down back into Honolulu. Just like it's, it, I don't go to work tomorrow. I don't show up. Everything I've done, everything I've trained for, I'm just done.
1: It's hey, what do you identify over. with now?
0: There was, I mean, so there was nothing really Which to identify with. I think with. is,
1: is an issue that a lot of people struggle with. Any, any transition, any change that you've, you've lost, you lack an identity
0: mm-hmm.
1: or you, you feel like you, you lack an identity. I mean, you
0: are who you are and you have the people that you have. It wasn't like, you know, all my friends in my, I couldn't go hang out with my, you know, my boss or the mentors that I had and like that still was there, but it was, it was this just absolute disconnection and deconstruction of everything that I knew and the safety net that I had. I mean, people bitch about the military all the time and but it's a love hate relationship. You leave it, and you're just done. And people have this. I talked to a buddy of mine who just got out, and he said it just. I mean, he he is he's married still to someone who's in the military. But it's that idea that I drive by any military post I see today, and I can't go in there. Right. But I could go into any one any other day in the military. And it's just this idea that you're just disconnected. Right. You just know?
1: It, it's it happens so fast. <clears throat> it, it's like that. Nothing really happens in black and white, but this does. Yeah.
0: And and anyway, so at any rate, you know, I went through the divorce. I went through the selling the house, leaving Oahu, and figuring out what the hell I was going to do with my life. And I knew that this was something that I would have to declare when I, I wasn't going to stay in Michigan. I knew I was going to come to Colorado, and I knew that this would be something that I would have to declare on my nursing license to get here there was no way that I would be able to walk through these questions about you know, your mental health and your substance abuse and dependency and honestly answer those questions. Tr- you know, honesty had been my policy from, from end point, like when I stopped. And I wasn't gonna stop that now, you know, and, and, and just like, oh, um, no, substance abuse? Nope, never uh, heard of it. Yeah, I don't know, man, it sucks for that person. <laughs> you know, and I had a lot of friends at the time who were moving and, um, you know, uh, God bless you know my friend Leslie who was getting a nursing license where she moved to and and then her husband Drake of course who you know just been this bastion of of support um, if you listen shout out <laughs> um, you know and she she was asking me like how I'm gonna answer these questions and I said I'm just gonna answer them I, I I have to but I knew damn well that when I did it wasn't gonna be the state of Colorado wasn't gonna say oh, okay well you told the truth so sounds good check right. go yeah. <laughs> you're and, good to go. <laughs> And you know that that really um, really stalled the process of getting here and starting life because it had to go through approval uh, from the board. It had to go through. I mean, government work works at government works pace. Right. It's not the free market economy, and there's no quarterly profits that they need to talk about. So, you know, from March up until you know September, October timeframe, you know, is in limbo. And you I mean, we met back in Michigan during this time right. and, you know, kind of figuring out like, what are you going to do? Oh yeah. going to Colorado. Like, you know, it was really hard for me to explain, you know, what, what I was going to do because a lot of people, you know, it got to a point where it was like four months, five months. And it's like, no man, I'm just, you know, sold a house. Like yeah. I'm just traveling. I'm finding me enjoying life. And like, after a while people were like, on. Is he gonna get a job it's not like, like traveling or like, anything? Like I mean, I mean, back and forth from Michigan yeah, to Colorado <laughs> I mean, I, I was really lucky. I got to go to a ton of places and see a ton of friends and that was amazing But it just sort of hit home as soon as I got back to Michigan and it was like, wow I need to you know, I need to figure out what the hell is going on and and you know Luckily it moved forward and I'm here. I have I'm in a, an amazing job and I, I have unbelievably supportive employers and employer, but you know, there's, a, there's a bunch of bosses, they all know what's going on. And it's, it's, it's freeing to be able to download what you've gone through, even not to be transparent so that you're helping somebody, but to just put your life on the table and allow you to be vulnerable in, the, in front of other people and to own what you do. There's something about ownership. Regardless of whether it's a good thing or it's a bad thing that's happened in your life, owning what you did. handle your shit. And handling your shit mm-hmm. speaks volumes to those who are around you. And I'm not, again, this story is not about getting the pat on the back. This story, I mean, what I'm leaving out is the the- The rough exit. <laughs> the rough exit that, that was, you know, for, we could talk for hours about this. I mean, it was, it was just a crash course out of the military into civilian life. And it was messy as shit. It was outrageous and you, you have a choice and yes, it was hard to wake up. Some of those days, man, I slept until, you know, the afternoon, but yeah, because yeah, you, you feel like
1: the bed's the only thing that's ever going to hold you again. <laughs> it really is. I mean,
0: it's, it's hard to walk. It's hard to, to figure out what sort of purpose you have when you feel like the purpose has been taken away. Right. And when you you find out, you have to dig deep and figure out what is it that I need to do, do I want to do, and execute. And that's something we talked about in the last podcast. It is by no means, and this is what I was kind of alluding to in the last podcast, well, how do you do it? And that's why I, th- I thought it was so important to tell these stories because it is so fucking hard to do it when it is so hard to be living. And you know what, again, I'm here, I have an amazing friend in you, and the way paths crossed, I mean, the, the girlfriend that I have now, Sarah, well, whether she wants to me to drop her name, but- Welcome. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the podcast. The, without getting into that, I mean, just the, the, the crazy nature and way you, you cross paths and you just don't take for granted the things that you did before. And with someone like her, uh, you know, to, it's like, if I had never gone through the experience that I did, we would have never crossed paths. And if we had before years ago, it wouldn't have meant anything. And it, and, and so you, you sort of you had you, developed yourself. Yeah, I guess that's maybe the way to look at it. And it there's a way to approach when you have situations like that happen like this and you take action to fix it you approach life with a with a newfound respect for what can go wrong and a a newfound respect and love for the things that you do and that's the woodworking it's the podcasting it's the work it's every day i'm fucking happy and grateful to be up and just doing something that's giving back and doing things like this. So I, I've been and talking. You, about-
1: you created it from from struggle though, and and not that struggle is the only way to define yourself and you know to create yourself. Plenty of people do without a whole lot of resistance. That's
0: no, not at all. You know, you're, it's you're not like right. oh, you
1: have a little dab of struggle in there and we'll be all good. Like no, it, it's it, life's just different for everybody. Nobody sees you know does red red look like red to you or what does it look? You yeah. know I mean, we'll never know. So. It's just one of those things, but the thing that you brought up was like the transition from the military to to civilian life. You know, again, like obviously on a much lesser uh, of severity, uh, leaving hockey. You know, let's
0: be very clear, though. If something means something to you, the way hockey means something to you, sure, you know, it is just as important. It is no severity scale. It is no what's better or what's more meaningful it's what
1: makes up your world exactly you know and, and so I mean, don't we're talk about living in our own yeah, worlds but don't
0: self-deprecate on on that i guess i mean and so
1: i mean i guess probably most of the people i feel like would be listening to this probably know that i played hockey all my life but uh i i did struggle with head injuries i don't know how how much the the head injury has impacted any of my anxiety depression and stuff like that i think that i've always had some uh struggles there mentally uh, self-esteem I, I mean i was I a fucking kid that wore a shirt in the pool and through like high school probably i don't i don't remember but i look back at it now i'm like what was that what man like dude it's not like you're hiding it nobody everybody just knows who you are it's <laughs> fine but uh you know like hockey for me was just that one place that for whatever reason you know they say like, oh for one hour nothing else matters. well nothing else really did matter my best friends were there. Uh, I felt like I was okay at the sport, and it's just somewhere that, like, you know, if I really pissed off after a certain age, I could just hit people. <laughs> Sweet. You know, but – and I guess joke's on me because I'm I'm with all the head injuries, <laughs> but, you know, like, you know, I look back at it, it as my childhood, and I think most people kind of – I remember when I was a young kid, they would talk about, oh, Brian, he's always wearing a smile. You know, like, some people are really good at masking the shit. I think fortunately I've gotten terrible at it, so uh, you know that'll probably make more sense in a little bit. But as a kid, I was I just messed it. I didn't you know I didn't know what to do. I came from a loving family, and I never, never questioned mm-hmm. stuff like that. But um, you know as you start going growing up, you start seeing, you start looking at, at people differently. And you're like, oh well, these people tend to like this guy because of this. He's athletic, or you know whatever it is. And mm-hmm. I think it's hard not to. For me, I think I've always been on the if I can't be the best, I don't even want to do it. Uh, perfectionist type thing where it's it, it, all or nothing. You know, like, oh, if I can't make the perfect meal, I'm not going to eat it all. Or worse, I'm going to go eat like some kind of bullshit. bullshit. You know, ramen, like top ramen. Right. You know, like not quality food, you know, and never creating the quality situation, I suppose. And, and uh, so I think I, I dealt with it growing up quite a bit. But all those, you know, the head injuries, I, how. Did they affect it? Yes. I mm-hmm. I mean it's still a head injury. Uh how much? I don't know. But uh anytime you hit your head, like, we know there's shit going on inside there. And yeah, I, my first head injury was at eight. I remember I was at Lakeland, Waterford playing hockey and I got, you know, eight years old, I think it was, and and you're not supposed to be hitting, but somehow I fell and hit my head and like
0: so knockout. That was like I don't
1: I don't think I went unconscious on that one. But I remember just being there and being like fuck am I what what the hell is this (laughs) yeah this doesn't feel great but you know in in in, as I got older I became very serious about hockey and and not because I was great at it Uh, there was never a chance of me taking those steps but how you do one thing in your life is how you do everything right? right and it was just something that I loved doing and and it never felt like work Actually, the one time it felt like work, my mom told me the next time you don't wake up at 6 a.m. to go to fucking hockey, you are not going ever again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, loud and clear, I, I, I will be there. I'm ready to go. But you know, growing up, I started seeing these things playing hockey. It became a little more serious. Became why I wanted to do well in school. You know, I'd come home with some grades and be like, I'm going to take hockey right away. And be like, next week I will have that shit up. Like, don't mm-hmm. I got you? But. I, I just continued for whatever reason, hit my head and yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think I'd ever recognize, you know, my thoughts when I was, was growing up. And I think that's probably one of the biggest issues. I wasn't really present with them. Mm-hmm. I went to college. Uh, didn't think I was ever going to play hockey in college. It was, didn't even consider it. I didn't really know much about it and uh, ended up going out to Grand Valley on the West side of Michigan. And I was lucky enough to play. I played my freshman year and, uh, the funny thing about hockey for me was that the more pain I was in, the more I loved it. And, uh, I I had between the head injuries, I've had both my shoulders surgically repaired. I've had two knee surgeries, like all these things pretty much head related. You know, I didn't Mm -hmm. do a whole lot after that, play music and no other contact sports, but all this stuff was happening. And I get to, I get to college start playing and, and I, I meet some to this day, my best friends, my absolute best friends. And, uh, I remember thinking as we're playing, we're we're gonna leave college as national champions at some point, point. and that was like the one thing that, for whatever reason, I told myself and I believed it. So I would put myself through this pain because I was like, I'm all in on this. Mm-hmm. I want like this is this is possible. We can we can be one of very few people in the world, ever. And and so I was I would put my body on the line. I mean, like I remember lifting somebody else's stick on the ice and my shoulder falling out of the socket and like just pop it right back in it got so lax that it just Jesus in and out no problem so you know you have all these things happen and then my junior year uh I got I got hit in practice and it wasn't even something that really should it was a hit that if I saw I'd be like nothing just bump I went out I remember waking up looking down the ice in practice and practicing and like how the hell did the play to get down there why am I here and then next thing I knew I was in the shower, you know, like coach kicked me off the ice. You're not healthy. So that happened. We had a big weekend right after that it was a Thursday, sat Friday, Saturday, I apparently played in the game uh, for two periods and I don't really recall, but sure, I guess I was there. Jesus. And that's kind of when everything started going downhill. So I don't know how much uh, of the actual head injury was the issue, but uh, I think, whether I wanted to recognize it or not, I knew that hockey was probably over. And you start, you know, talk about what do I identify with? Mm-hmm. Who, you know, I, for all my life, although not a great one, I'm Brian Dunn, the hockey player. Yeah. You know, that, that was just what I loved. That's what I was proud of. And uh, so after that, I, when I finally got back into the lineup, I was playing one shift a game and, and I, I went from playing uh, as a solid defender, I got some good minutes and I went to having one shift a game i was like what the hell you start very quickly questioning your own abilities and again i think knowing that hockey was over my my any confidence that i had even though i struggled with it It was gone it was it was very easy to leave you know like i think i knew hockey was over and any time that i made a mistake it was just it was not good now obviously everybody's their own their hardest critic but you know all, all those i take it to another level i like the pain You know, like that, that was what I did. Um, And, you know, through all the surgery, I had a couple surgeries before that. Like I never, no issues. Everything was good. Didn't, didn't enjoy alcohol or anything like that. And then through that year, uh, I, uh, you know, you're in college, you start experimenting a little bit and I I liked smoking weed. That was not the issue, but uh, you know, Xanax, first time I took Xanax, man, that was a fucking party. I don't remember how I got home. I remember I was supposed to leave the next morning super early and I woke up to my roommate, Josh, uh, pounding on my door at one o'clock in the afternoon being like, do we actually going to do this? Or, you know, what are we doing? Uh, but I had fun mm-hmm. and I didn't, that was a, that was the release valve for me. Mm-hmm. Didn't really touch them after that. I started experiencing all these issues with the hospital where I would get these incredible, I guess migraines is what I would call them. And, uh, Sometimes it'd make me vomit and then I'd pass out. And then sometimes I'd wake up convulsing, which they tested for seizures. They called it seizures, but nothing ever showed up for seizures. So, uh, you know, no issues now. Uh, so, but uh, you start having all these things. I mean, that happened for the rest of my junior year, and, and no one really had the answer for it. You know, so you started looking at okay now now what the hell's yeah. wrong with me what am i uh yeah. um, i think i knew hockey was over although i still was anticipating coming back that's at least what i would say
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know i'm a shitty relationship and, and i mean it got so bad that some of these times i would pass out and uh i would be i one of our friends that we just rip on all the time he i was calling him my best friend you know like just being super nice to him and then everybody's yeah. like well, what the hell's going on now so all these things are happening i go home for the summer playing in beer league get in a fight hit my head on the ice and and that's that was the time that i was like fuck it's over so i wake up next morning and mom i i can't do this i hit my head i'm not feeling good all these things go out go out to grand valley talk to our coach and this is i was kind of laughing with the military uh exits uh <laughs> coach sit down I'm like gonna tell him I think you know all these things all this, have this heart to heart with him. I tell him I can't come back <laughs> he stands up he shakes his shakes my hands says, best of luck <laughs> I was like what the hell uh, dude man. I'm a, I'm only 19 years like my what and this guy played like handled business he left home at 14. he mm-hmm. you know, like
0: to play hockey so you you're looking for the fanfare or the confetti, Right, like the the pat on the back walk out sh- a lot, on the show we appreciate yeah. you it was just nothing and I think that's when I
1: was like holy crap man like what is this gonna be and uh luckily when i moved home uh, my sister's friend owned a gym and, and she encouraged me to start training and, and work towards my certifications and unfortunately that, that gym had climbing ropes and uh you know you're talking about, i was in a relationship that it was did not start off on the right foot and should never probably even happen glad it did because it's great things come from that stuff but Everything in life just seemed like it was piling up. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know why I can't stay healthy. I, I feel like I hate myself. I hate myself. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was really what it was. And uh, so one night, I was at the gym alone and, and, and you're just in this you latch onto a thought, the thoughts and you know, it's surrounded by four walls in the ceiling, and that, all those walls just start collapsing in. There's no stopping them. When, when you latch on, it's, it's game over. And, and at least in the state that I was in. And so I decided, you know, I've thought about these things before. I've thought about suicide. I've thought about what a burden I am to people. You think about hospital bills and the girlfriend, like all these things that I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't deserve all this shit. And so you what's your escape? It got so deep that okay, now we're thinking about these things. And I tied the noose. I stood up on a box. I put my head through it and and just the feeling around your neck uh that was enough to pull me back out and and say dude this is n-. nope not today you know you're just hysterical sitting there alone you know it's probably eleven twelve one o'clock in the morning whatever it is is clean the gym and I ha- I hid that I didn't tell anybody and finally I was at therapy and and I couldn't I couldn't hold it in because I knew that I'm continually thinking about it which probably is meaning that I'm gonna find another way to try it and how many times you want to try it before it works? Like most things you're like, oh, that'd be sweet if it worked the first time. Not that no. sweet. Thankfully, it hasn't, it never worked. Uh, so the therapist by law is like, well, you know, we can't let you leave. And, um, that was rock bottom for me, uh, being checked into a psych ward when you, you don't have the answers, but you know that this is not really what you are, who you are. And I can, I can. I mean, you you get checked into a psych ward, and uh, you know, they they take the, the laces out of your your shorts, shoelaces. Like you can't you can't have it. Your phone. I was in there for a few days, and and I could use like the you know the phone on the wall. Yeah. But the cell phone, I wasn't allowed to have it. Luckily, my mom, uh, what's up, uh, would bring it in with the one hour visit yeah. visitation a day. And the rest of it you're just hanging out with people that are, are struggling with life or have, you know, other diseases. And uh, I can for I can definitely tell you the worst that I've ever felt in my life is is staring my mom in the eyes, who is probably feeling as much, if not more, pain than I was at the time. Uh, you're you're on this bed, you're hysterical, and you're just waiting for them to drug you to to just put you out. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is Probably not the greatest idea that they ever made with me. Uh, Ativan is a hell of a drug. Yes, um, sure is. But the, the, literally the worst feeling I think I've ever felt in my life is, is staring back at my mom, knowing that she would do anything in her power to make me happy. And, you know, you know, not that the rest of my family wouldn't, but she's sitting there, right there. The woman that birthed you. Mm-hmm. And she's got to let her, her son, she's watching her son because he tried to kill himself uh or deeply considering it uh you just gotta walk away you know like that i have that picture in green in my head it'd probably never go away and it's the single worst feeling you you know you talk about feeling like a burden yeah. fuck i wish i hadn't had to see that because it probably would just it's not it would have been easier so you go through that whole situation and, and i came out of that numb i got on i got on meds which is a whole different story uh you know antidepressants Mm
0: -hmm.
1: whole different story on that for some other time but it it just was it i was numb you know you could you could have shot my dog that i never had but loved dearly and i would have been like whatever between the medication and just knowing that i just hit rock bottom was was enough didn't care and then i kind of broke out of that that phase started feeling again and was doing pretty well for a little bit and then you're like, oh, look at that big-ass bottle of ativan when life got tough again and uh you know i, I remember driving by my house and i won't even give the location because i don't want my family to be like oh <laughs> there's there every time but uh there i would drive and it would almost be like this power you know it feels like you're in a movie uh, but there'd be this, at least the thought that my right arm was pulling the wheel to the right. and My left arm was fighting it. And and it was just kind of like a surreal thing. So I'm like, I don't want to pull the car off the road and and try and kill myself. But that was the thought every single time. It was just, you know, it'd be in tears driving. Nothing even happened that day. I just hate myself. And, uh, you know, you had nothing to identify with. And and so one night I had a bunch of Ativan I think it was Ambient too at the time, and it just got so bad. I was supposed to be going to my girlfriend's house, and I probably took between fifteen and twenty pills. I, you know, it, just a, a big handful of them, and I got in my car. She lived about a half hour away from me, and uh, I remember calling her and, and trying to play cool. And she noticed. She was like, "What's going on?" I'm like, ah, and you just, I just broke down, and. and Older. and the next thing I remember from that is her pulling me from my car and at, at a mall wasn't even close to her house pulling me from the car I remember her running across the street in the middle of the winter to move park my car in a different parking lot drove me home apparently she woke me up to eat at some point like I was out for probably twenty, just out and you know I luckily I, I convinced everybody not to take me back to the psych ward but that was when I that was the first time that the pills became an enemy to me now. But fuck. I had twenty four hours of peace. Like I mm. it was like, oh, okay. You know, so you started kinda of getting into these things and you, you do something once, twice, and you're like, well, I know that I can do it. So you start making these these situations that, that you wanted you want to use because I uh, just wanted to get high. Like I, you know, I, I would never say I had an addiction to pills. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that, but I thoroughly enjoyed them. I thought about them a lot, and uh, luckily I didn't have an endless supply of them because that would have been great to me. And um, that that whole situation kind of spurred more use, though, where I knew that it wasn't something I wanted to do, but it was the best I felt even for a few minutes. Um, so you know, I worked through all these things and I finally feel like I got my confidence back. I applied to grad schools and supposed to come out here to Colorado. Took that back again, girlfriend at home. I think I knew I wasn't ready. Uh, but I go down to Case Western in Cleveland, I'm living alone and I'm having a fucking miserable transition. I hate everything. You know, started off with couldn't hook internet up to the house. My phone the first night my my family
0: leaves. The small things. Yeah,
1: my family leaves and like my phone just doesn't work. And i'm like I, I literally know nobody in cleveland i i don't have any way of getting a hold of anybody like all this shit. so i freaked out and it just was a it was a bad start in, in the worst way and uh, i had all those pills with me so classes start and i find this bar winking lizard it's not even a minute I walk away from my house a four dollar uh, special 32 ounce beers so of yingling light and labat blue light oh, yeah, like yingling. i was in heaven so i'd go there every night after class and i would start drinking you know like oh first day it was one i'm like well thank you you know have a good night and before the first week was over i was drinking over four beers like anybody that knows me <clears throat> i have drinking. one beer and i'm like oh, all right i'm good Like, I, you know very rarely do i do i indulge in, in drinking i don't like it and uh that's when i it just was another way of numbing i was still smoking on you know whatever I had to do, but throughout this whole thing, um, shortly in into my time at Case Western, there was a night where I got just plastered. I mean, hammered, drunk by myself. Came home. I remember smoking, and I remember laying there just bawling my eyes out and thinking, "This is it. There's not a single thing that you can do. Your view of yourself is is that you're you're worthless. Nobody. You don't want to." inconvenience anybody this is it let's do this and so I reached back into that nightstand I, I pulled out everything and uh I, I took them and I woke up the next night to to phone calls you know all these missed calls text and so the next night missed class like all this shit and uh I remember hearing a voicemail mom's like this is the last one I'm calling the cops and luckily she didn't, but I, you know, I came up to it, uh, I woke up and was, I, I think I was probably disappointed that it didn't work. Cause you're still here. Yeah. You know, it was like, fuck, I got to do this. Now you gotta going like, to, yeah. You. Like I gotta, I gotta, I have to face this at least a little bit because everybody's wondering where the fuck I am and I really don't want to face the police in Cleveland right now. Like I don't need that. So I pretty much packed up everything that night and, uh, drove home and I moved back home and, and just shit got worse again. And it, you know, it took a couple getting a job at a psychiatry office. That was probably one of the first things in, in healing for me. Uh, that place was amazing. I met some really great people, great, great physicians, but I met a therapist there that it, he and I are just, when we go talk with him, it's just like hanging out with the boys. Mm-hmm. It, it's super easy to talk, you know, like, he's enlightened me on so many awesome opportunities uh to think about myself think about the world and 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 just try and start framing your mind better and the coolest thing is and i i say this all the time love everything and not that i think i execute it perfectly but um you know you love everything like i i i struggle with the hockey situation still And I guess the whole kicker on that saying that we were going to win a national championship was that the year that I went home, that following year, I watched them win a national title. And then the following two years, they went runners up. You know, fuck me for thinking that I could have helped them win two more times. But the thing was, as happy as I was for them, that was the most miserable fucking, that was probably number two to my mom. The look that I had to give my mom, you know, like. That was the one thing that I thought I had control over. That's one thing that I thought I was actually going to achieve and it was going to be the one thing I'd always be able to say, y- you did it. You know, hockey, how long did you stick with one thing and you won that you love? And it's still like today, I could still end up crying about it. But, you know, like last year I went up there and that was the first time I've been in the uh, skated last year at the rink with the banner. You know, like it sounds stupid, but like, I loved hockey. I love the people that I played hockey with. You know, like even growing up. It, there is no th- no thing in the world like a hockey locker room. And I wholeheartedly believe that. And it's kinda what we're trying to establish of it's just guys talking. Like we rip on each other and we, we make fun of each other, but at the end of the day, I know if I called one of my buddies right now, they'd be like, What's up? What do we need to do? What we're good. We're going to get through this. You know, they, they listen, they're they're They care. And there's something about the sport of hockey. I'm sure, you know, military is very similar. It's a brotherhood, but that was the one place that I just always felt safe. Nothing hurt the way it hurt outside of hockey. Mm -hmm. And I think that was another big reason that I was driven to want to take all these things and, and ultimately kill myself, you know, and, and that you, it sucks to think about, but, when you look back at it, these are the things that are creating creating the opportunity to want to do all this stuff. I'm learning more about myself, and I know sometimes that sounds funny, but how how are you going to compliment somebody else without really putting your own work in? And um, whether it's just in teaching, like I I don't go and teach people math. I've never accomplished anything in math. You know, I did what I had to do to graduate high school yeah. and pass in college, but I'm not teaching those things. But psychology, the Hockey, there's things, those are things that I feel like it contribute to. How do you start doing more of that? And I think that the whole purpose of uh, us doing this today, and I'm sure there's probably examples that I'm just freezing up on that that MBT. happen. You know, like and, and they'll come out. But we wanted to humanize these things and say like it's okay for. It's okay that you're feeling that way. It's not okay for you to quit. It's not okay for you to accept that. I think that. For me, luckily, I never reached the point of it working. And I'm, you know, I'm incredibly fortunate for it. People say, do you think about it still? Well, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, when stress hits your life and you, just, now it's not. I'm, when am I going to do it? It's pay attention to the route you're taking down with the stress and make sure that you're doing everything to maneuver your way from falling to that hole and managing take, a diff- it. Yeah, take a different direction. And uh, you know like i the the cleveland thing still bothers me the hockey thing still bothers me there's it's never it's probably never really going to be fully accepted but it is one of those things that they have created kind of who i am what i want to be and in the direction i want to take it's building that confidence i mean i got another head injury and I, you know disclosed this for my family but i broke my sho- uh, collarbone and and like i think it was june and i hit my head i was i was feeling that thing like oh god And I come out here and I felt like I had a bunch of confidence. And you watched, I think you probably watched me unfold a little bit. It was nothing like Cleveland, but I was struggling. School is, I shit the bed in school. I struggled mightily this semester. And right now I'm okay with it. I'm happy with it because I'm, I'm, now we're podcasting, I'm reading Mm -hmm. more. I'm starting to find out that what do you want to do? You know, like you hear a lot of times we've talked about this, like, Who's gonna to want to be with the guys in school? At you know, fifty-five, you know, ninety-two yeah. years old. And the reality is, the right person does. But what's why do we have this conception of you have to have it done by thirty, you have to have it done by twenty-five? You know, what what's wrong with what you're doing? And I mm-hmm. think, again, the whole purpose of this was that we, you know, first of all, everything happened with the support group, right? Like, yeah, you always have it. We got to find it. You know, like, had a friend reached out to me and said, like, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you more. Yeah, but part of allowing part of someone being there for for you is you allowing them to be mm-hmm. there for you so like i'm not willing to work uh, it's not going to happen yeah you know and i think that we wanted to break down those walls we want to humanize this, make a connection and and i guess that's going to give us that platform to go forward here yeah. and and hopefully talk about other things more positive but at the end of the day it's a, it's a matter of on the other side of all that struggle of the pain that you're feeling right now is something that is pretty exciting. I mean, you watch it again just a few weeks ago. It just felt like it clicked. Yeah. Like, all right, you know what? Yeah, it's going to suck sometimes, but the good times are gonna be really mm-hmm. cool. And why don't you just actually appreciate that for a change and enjoy yourself, what do you yeah. want to do? Go do it. You know, and if you don't know, ask, you know, just these things where you have to speak up. And I think that's really what we wanted to accomplish from this today. And, and, uh, hopefully we do in some way, and if people are struggling or with anything, it doesn't have to be you know as serious as suicide. It could just be anything. Yeah,
0: talk to somebody.
1: You know, reach out to your friend. Your friends care. Yeah, and
0: I, and I was yeah. I mean, and I left it out, but my family was just like yours. This this bastion of support that I could call on a, a moment's notice. And you know, some people aren't as fortunate to have that, and I realize that. But there are ways to reach out and there are people you can talk to and you know that's why i would say my my phone's always on right my instagram my facebook anything's always on anybody can reach out to me at any point with anything it doesn't have to be substance abuse it doesn't have to be addiction it can be anything right. um, a
1: shit relationship or career's going like those things are at the end of the day the mindset of how you approach these things exactly. are you going to are you going to accept what it is and are you going to continue to move forward with it? Are you going to take your steps forward? Are you willing to accept failure mm-hmm. as a gift, which I believe it is. Like you, you get an answer, right? If you're right, you got an answer. Now you do the next thing. Exactly. If you failed, you've got an answer. You do the next thing. It's, it's mm-hmm. the same thing. Just one feels a lot better than the other. Yeah, exactly. But rea- the reality is like when you win, it's it, it's hard to learn from a win. It's easy to learn. Say like, oh, okay. Well, I can't do this. I can't do that. I need to do this a little bit differently. And all of a sudden, you're taking that step again. And the next one might be the one that works. And yeah, it's, that's that's the the hope that I was missing. I was mm-hmm. I wasn't attaching to that. I was attaching to. It's easy to find negativity. It's everywhere. Go ahead, beat the shit out of yourself.
0: Yeah, it's right there. I mean the, and and even to to piggyback on on what you said, you know I. I think you take the the opportunity to explore who you are in what you have and in this case it's you know this in in my case it's a substance abuse issue and you know I haven't and 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 gone down that road but you know there's always going statistically I'm more likely to go down that road than someone who's never used. And I think over this period of time, as much as you'd like to deny, or I would like to deny that it will never be an issue again, it's better to take it head on and say, you know what, Nate, if you don't man up and accept this lot that you've been, you've created for yourself, then you are more likely to go down that road again if you don't. And it it is difficult to self-reflect. It's difficult um, to to really dig deep and try to figure out who you are because you're going to open up a lot of doors that that suck. And but like you said, you you build from that. You build from that recognition. You build from that that um, from the learning about yourself. It's it's a growth opportunity exactly like
1: and it's at the end of the day it's changing your your from a fixed uh fixed mindset to the growth mindset exactly. like everything is it's just more data mm. that i can build off of and learn about me learn about that this whatever it is and now the more information you have generally gives you a more accurate answer mm-hmm. which direction i need to go or want to go and
0: it it is all about growth because you don't you know it's you talk about these obstacles and these forks in the road and these things that you that are in front of you. And you know, how do you get past that? And growth can be as easy as trying to learn more about yourself so that you can recognize signs, so you can recognize the stresses, so you can recognize why and how you feel a certain way. And those are the things that can help you get past that.
1: Well, and everything you're describing right there is is a matter of being mind associated. You know, like when you are mind-associated, you believe your thoughts. And, and these are topics that at some point we probably will end up going into. But yeah. being mind-associated, being attached to ego. Ego is is not a great friend. Ego is the one that makes you want to do all the stupid shit that you're thinking. The stupid being the negative stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, the things you tell yourself. So, you know, what? wake up 10 minutes early and read 10 pages of a book that are positive. Challenge your beliefs and... Try and change the mindset, but again, it would be something we talk about at some point, but the mind association, you are not your thought. Your thought is just perception. Like, why do we call it a computer? Well, that's the name we gave it. It, Mm -hmm. You could have called it cup. I don't, you know, like it would have worked if that's what we called it. That's what that is. Right. You know, like, oh shoot. (laughs) But like, it's one of those things of you are not your thought, you know, so why not create a better environment for those thoughts? Mm -hmm. You don't want to act on those, that negative stuff ever, but we intended to, but like the positivity, you build your confidence mm-hmm. and it could start with, right, wake up, open a book. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then we talked about that and just take first steps, mm-hmm. but it, being minus associated is something I struggle with. And that's probably why I like, don't remember anybody's names. I'm always thinking about X, Y, and Z when I'm supposed to be at a, and it's hard to be present, especially today. I mean, yeah. holy crap. But I think that's a lot of what the issue is, anxiety, depressions. You, you are associated with your thought and the ego and the ego is not your friend. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, I mean, every once in a while he gets a lot, you know, every squ- every blind squirrel finds a nut, right? Every once in a while I might run into one, but the ego tends to drag your ass down and yeah. the more you feed, feed it, the stronger it gets. It's,
0: I mean, for it's just like a yeah. new life form. <laughs> for me, it was, it was not confronting, even though it looked everything looked happy. Everything looked perfect. I wasn't able to recognize or allow myself to believe or to understand that I wasn't actually happy. And, you know, that is a, is a case for numbing and it's a case for walking away. I mean, you talked about um, creating positive thoughts for yourself and it's not easy to do that. And I remember having to go to therapy and you know it was it was which really, is
1: probably the greatest place in the world.
0: Yeah. Huh. By the way, amazing. <laughs> uh, Think I you don't have, have a, problems. I, go sit down for an hour I, and let me know yeah. that you don't want to leave. I, I have a a mentor who said uh, I was sitting in her office right before I got out, and she said, "I just want to let you know, um, I'm not friends with anybody that doesn't go to therapy." And I'm like, "Well, why?" Because they're the most introspective people I've ever <laughs> met <laughs> my entire life. Because they're willing to lay it all out, right? And they're willing to grow. And I, I think for me, it was to get into positivity because I thought that I could do it all myself. I thought getting done with this, it was, I'm good. Like, I don't need anybody's help. I got this. I've got to pick up the pieces as a guy. Like, I got to pick up the pieces and fix this myself. I'm a fixer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do right. this. And I think I was positive in the sense that, like, I could do it. But I had to allow myself to go through the process that professionals set up for you. And with every ounce of, of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, um, a pushback, I suppose. Um, you know, I had to change that perspective. Yeah. And you were,
1: you were resisting. Everything. It was resisting. Exactly. You know, like it's, it, it's like, how do you make anything when you're working out? How do you want to get strong? How do you want to grow? Add more resistance, Exactly. struggle.
0: It, and so <laughs> I had to show up and, you know, over time it became a, I had to rewire and and think that the only way that I move on here and grow is to accept what I have to do and the places I have to be and the ability to be vulnerable and be introspective. And, you know, I think that's why you and I can sit here and have these conversations because we can, you know, we've talked about this before, maybe not at at as much length or in depth about, about everything, but, you know, there's a recognition that talking about these things Heals it heals both of us, but it also it's therapeutic for sure. It's cathartic and therapeutic, and you know it's it. I think you get to a point as well. You talk about being a burden that you don't want to download this on people, but you'd be surprised. People what... people want to hear it. You people yeah. want to help. They want to help, and they want to be there for you, and they want to see you succeed. And if not, and sometimes more than you want your own self to succeed and that's what's so important about talking about this and getting the help i mean you know i I worried about where my by by being honest about all this who could listen to this and say i wouldn't touch this guy with the 10-foot pole but i can safely say today if you don't want to touch me with the 10 foot 10 foot pole it's your loss right because
1: you have a lot to offer
0: i do and i and, and it takes a while to get to that point again and to say, yes, I am a productive member of society. I struggle with that. I struggle with the failings that I had and this, this ability to move forward and consider myself productive again and consider myself a member of society worth taking serious. And I sometimes have to stop and think, what are you doing? You're doing two podcasts. You started a company with your girlfriend. You work, you move to Colorado. What is, how, yeah, how, how you're, much you're more You're only productive. focused
1: on all the stuff that, like, isn't, you feel like you're lacking. Exactly. You know, <laughs> but then you, you want to, like, look back once in a while and, like, oh, yeah, I did do that. I did do that. Like, that's that's something that I struggle with yeah. quite often is just acknowledge some of your accomplishments. Acknowledge what you're proud of yourself for. Moving. Okay. Mm-hmm. Acknowledging that there's a problem. Should be make you proud because you're, you're willing to say, like, okay, there's an issue. I need, I need a solution. But I think in talking about like the therapy and stuff, they're just talking. I think it's therapeutic because it, at least for me, I'm not the most organized human being in the world, even less about myself in my own head. Like I don't just talking about it, organizes it, put those words out there, listen to it back. And most of the time when I'm at therapy, I'm like, I, you just sit there man. like, I don't, I don't need you to talk. If I have a question, I'll ask, but I'm just organizing right now, so mm-hmm. let me let me put the file cabinets together the way I need them to, and then we'll figure something else out.
0: I, I do that with my mom all the time. I'll call, and like I feel like I'm rambling here, and she's like, "No, you're just organizing what you need to do." Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, well, thanks, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, do, <laughs> right. I do the same I,
1: thing. I like, got it.
0: Answer my own questions, <laughs>
1: right? You're like, oh, I don't, Never mind. I hope everything's well. I'll talk to you later. But it's a. It is. It's a bit of an organization. I think that making yourself vulnerable allows you to i don't know in a way, love yourself too i mean when you when you drop that wall there's just this freedom mm-hmm. there is that freedom of you that's your step yeah say it out loud right that's i think that's why people write yeah they're just organizing their thought you know and they don't want to be alone with the knowledge which i always said about stuff that's like really funny or like i cannot believe that just happened i cannot be alone with this knowledge you know but it you you've got the ability to talk about it is therapeutic because I think it drops your own wall and now you're willing to look at yourself with a different uh, scope. But now you organizing and you can hear how irrational you are most of the time until oh, so yeah. you start putting certain things into practice. And for me, I tried meditating, I tried, you know, working out twice a day, all these things like oh, the mindfulness and those, all those things in some component help, but talking about it and then acknowledging that that was a good step. Was was pretty much all I kind of needed. Now I started building a little bit of confidence. It took. It takes long time. It can take a long time. And yes. And the work never really ends. Like struggle is
0: always. Right. You're always going
1: to find something that you don't know how to do, or you're struggling with. And okay, figure it out. Which way do you want it to? How do you want to get it done? You have to go through the front door. You go through the side. You got to find a new house. You know whatever it is. Face it. Submerge yourself in it. And don't fear the fear. I do that often where I fear. What I'm about to fear, you know, like
0: yeah, for me, it's fear of the unknown,
1: right? You just the uncertainty, the in- instability. I like the control. I think everybody likes control. There are very few people that are like okay with just being free. But as I'm learning in the last few weeks, even I, things, I like. I sit there and I'm like, I can cry, but while I'm crying, I'm I'm laughing too. So I'm like, this is just <laughs> that something funny is going to happen from this, and it's going to work out. It's just make sure that you're you're consciously taking steps to be positive and. And watch it from as a spectator. Watch that freak out, that anxiety, as a spectator, and don't give that ego fuel. And and usually you have a different, you have a rational perspective when you're watching yourself. The, your thoughts, just they're on clouds, man. They're just floating by. There's gonna be, You cannot tell me what your next thought's gonna be. Like you cannot predict your next thought. No. Like you know, it, you predict it. It's just it's that's there. So, you know, like you have, to, you, we've got to do a better job of trying to. Tell ourselves better things. For me, reading, reading is the answer for me right now. Uh, Meditation has helped in the past. All these things work, but whatever way you're willing to sit with your own shit, and submerge yourself in it, and accept everything, and love it, and and understand that these are this is just this moment, and every single moment is different. You can't you can't take back five minutes from now or before. You know those things are gone. You can learn from it. You can use them as memories, but. Everything is changing. Our mm-hmm. bodies are changing every second. Like cells dying off, all this stuff. So nothing's permanent. We're guaranteed death. Nobody's figured that, you know, that thing. Also, you're born you're dead. Everything else from there, nothing's permanent.
0: You know, there's some things you will have control over, but there's a lot of things you won't. Right. But accepting what you don't have control over is a freedom in itself as well. It's pretty liberating. You just...
1: You're stressed. You're stressed about all the shit that's not going to happen. That's you know, your anxiety. It's just the future.
0: I mean, it's, it's a basic psychology uh, exercise. Like you said, you have a thought to a situation and you write down all of the irrational thoughts that are coming into your head. The world's ending. I'm losing my job. Girlfriend's going to break up with me. I'm going to have no money. And then go to the next column. And write what really is probably going to happen <laughs> right and when you do that exercise you realize it's, it's probably not gonna be the end of the world
1: it, it's uh, it, I had a therapist who do this exercise where you know whatever whatever the situation well, let's just call it being best and worst anything you're the best at x feel it picture yourself as, as the best at this Feel yourself being the worst what are people gonna say how do you feel what are you gonna say to yourself and as you keep swinging back and forth, all of a sudden they feel the same. They feel like nothing. It's just not there. And that I remember the first time he did that that exercise, I was just like, "What the hell was yeah. that? Some some magic." He's like, "How do you feel now?" I was like,
0: "I don't feel shit. <laughs> what was that?
1: I need more of yeah. that." And I need a prescription, <laughs> right? Give can me you, that. I, what, what's the retainer on this one? I, <laughs> can you just walk around with me every day? I can just tell you everything, but it it's. How do you reach certain aspects of this? It's it's facing that fear of breaking down your own walls, admitting that there might be some kind of issue. And the issue again could be I don't know how I'm gonna pick up one kid while the other kid's at this, and those are stressors. You are stressed about those things. Now, not all of it escalates or manifests into some super deep depression or anything like that. It's just a problem you create a solution. Someone else is gonna pick up this person, but those things can become the The first thing that starts that whirl the mm. the whirl went down you're yeah. you're just you start sinking fast, so how you face everything head on acknowledge that it's probably never nearly as bad as we think it is, and that we are more capable as human beings you are more capable of finding a solution and growing yourself and learning how to maneuver whatever the obstacle is, you know like. Yeah. I think one of my things is I don't know how to do it. I don't ever learn, you know. Well, no, you're not gonna learn, you never try it. Like we, you've gotten this far. You know, like I used to say, like, oh, I'm terrible at making decisions, which I believe I am. But I make a lot of really serious decisions when I'm driving a car that I don't even think twice about. Like, oh, I'm gonna turn. I, I'm not consciously like I, left turn right, you know, right now I'm turning left. Like, no, I'm just like turning left to the light. You probably don't even, I don't recognize I'm even doing Mm -hmm. that. And it's just one of those things of your thoughts are everything. Everything is built off your thought. Mm -hmm. And when you attach that negativity, everything else around you is going to tend to be that way. And and just, you have to face, you have to face the fear.
0: Indeed. Well, hey man, we're about 90 minutes. Really? Okay. Not that we need to stop. No, no, no. We're good. I uh... never, well, never
1: in the last two times now, hasn't, uh, hasn't felt 90.
0: No, not at all. So I just I do want to say two things. The first being, um, you know it it is it has been a a blessing and a freedom to be able to live with people, and and I'm talking t- about you. I'm talking about Sarah and and Preston, who I can freely speak to about these things, and to be able to share my story with you um, is you know, I don't know if privilege or honor is the right word, but to be able to do this with you is an absolute privilege and an honor. And to be able to have the conversations that I do with you, even the thousands of conversations we have that don't get recorded, um, is, um, you know, I don't really have words for it. And it's, I, I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart and you know, you've, you've heard this before and allowing me the time to talk about it is, and listening and giving the feedback has been a, a, a source of tremendous support, and I just want to let you know that I I, I love you for it and I appreciate it. Oh, shit, man!
1: I made it through this whole thing without crying. I'm be like, oh, well, it was the good part that made me cry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that, and I I, I think you know that the, that feeling is truly mutual, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that is is what we're trying to accomplish. Of. What are we trying to reach? Now, again, it doesn't have to be a suicide. It, doesn't, it can be something tiny that affects you. Talk to people. Just stop, mm. stop bottling everything yeah. up. Certain things nobody cares about, you're right. But like,
0: if, it affects, if it's going to yeah.
1: affect the, the performance of your life, the quality of your life, open. Just mm. open. Like Most people are pretty sensitive to it. And the people that we just talked about, this, the people that are harsh back. That is just them vomiting their project- their insecurity all over you. You know, like we I've said it before, like oh, your insecurities are way too loud right now, which is probably usually me <laughs> living my life. But those people are, are. There's not as many of them. You feel like you're always scared that it's, it's going to be every person. But the reality is, I think most people are good. Yeah. And and people do want to do good. So talk and and it's it's awesome I, I we've talked about the anxiety i had this week about about this yeah. doing these things and um it wasn't first of all it wasn't nearly as bad as i was anticipating so it's more proof to that yeah. uh but it is kind of it's it feels nice because i i it's a, it's sometimes i still do get emotional about a lot of these things but today it just felt like that's not who i am that was a that was a learning experience for a long learning experience. And I'm sure I'll have experiences that will teach me just as much, but um, I wouldn't be here without talking and opening up and, and just in the day, all that stuff led me to facing my fears, you know, head on and facing anything, any kind of challenge. Mm -hmm. And And I think that's really what we wanted to do is, 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 maybe relate, connect, Open some doors, whatever it was with the show. And then hopefully as we go on, we'll start talking more about the positive side of yeah. things. And it, it, and it
0: did need to, to happen. Cause it does frame, you know, the experiences going forward. Sure. And, and I think where both you and I are right now in life. Right. And, you know, you do have these intense experiences. I mean, I've heard your story before and even tonight, it's like giving me goosebumps when, when you tell parts of that story. And, but you know, you, what we can talk about on this podcast is in relation to what we've gone through and how we've come through it i'm not a professional on how to get through it right not even close all i know is that we're all the same dog we just have a different tail and when you look at it that way you know it's we're all everybody's got some kind
1: of bullshit going on man Doesn't matter what it is. There's something there. Yeah.
0: So you know, again, I I said this in the middle of the podcast. Um, everyone has uh Brian's Instagram and Face Facebook.
1: Yeah, actually, we and since we put that last show out, we we did make the. uh, I think we were talking about my personal account, Mm -hmm. um, but there is now now Instagram account for uh, Life Is Done podcast. So um, it's just Life Is Done. Um, D U N N. D U N N. That's right. Um, But yeah, and. I think the whole purpose of this was that uh, if you do find yourself in a position um, we are here, but mm. you know, if it's serious, then obviously you obviously got to call 911 yeah. and do, do your business, but do
0: take, call the professionals. <laughs> right. um, but you know what? Uh, um, you can find me on my Instagram at N Welline, That's W E L L E I N. And that's, um, you can find that last name on, on Facebook as well. Nate Welline, And I, I mean that wholeheartedly. Um, if this isn't to, to promote me in any in any shape way or form you're it's never alone you're never alone and there may be something i can help you with point you in a direction or just listen i'm here and that's you know if we're going to talk about it then i need to take action and that I, i'm open and you know just to to not put that all okay. uh, or make sure i put that out there um you know we all have similar experiences and, you know, I'm, I'm here to help as well. So, um, but I do hope that you go check out the new Instagram life is done. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, and, and hopefully we'll have, you know, without getting too crazy here, you know, we were spitballing last week. Like, well, I'm we'll, to we'll start a YouTube channel and all this right, stuff, yeah. but you we know, we'll, we'll see where this goes. And, and, um, I speak for Brian here. Um, you know, the, the support has been Incredible. unbelievable yeah. and, you know, we'll be back next week with, well, You're going on. You're going on break, right? And we'll hopefully have whether there may be a lapse in a week or not. We'll be back after break, right? And you know, if if we don't,
1: we'll be uh, chronicling my trip home. Yeah, uh, yeah. hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. So there'll be something
0: coming out, and and we'll we'll figure something out. But um, either way, we'll be back for the the new year and uh, get your resolutions. Tell you what, we'll we'll make resolution lists and we'll 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 do them on here, and so uh, we can make everybody hold us accountable oh, for them maybe come up with like a january challenge or something like oh, that that's gonna be gotta, tough cookies that we <laughs> got a chronicle like no pizza or something uh, no, like that oh
1: boy yeah well mm.
0: that's gonna be easier for me i think i i, I like pizza but we'll, we'll think of something maybe it's Love like pizza. workout like i don't know we'll, yeah. we'll come up with something but hey man let me extend my hand across Absolutely. this table i appreciate it appreciate and, you
1: and that's and uh it's been fun
0: good we'll be back uh we'll be back for another episode Absolutely. so all right y'all thanks later